This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault. On today's show, we are doing our annual Oscar predictions, where we will name who we think will win, who we want to win, and for added measure, who was snubbed. Joining me on this fun, absolutely futile exercise is Stephanie Pryor, who was last heard on episode 137, Happy New Year's. Thank you so much for joining me today, Steph. Oh, thank you. Happy New Year to you. It, yeah, it's now the end of April, but sure, yeah. Oh, Happy New Year. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You yeah. just haven't been on the show since the end of December. Ah, uh, right, right. Easy, easy misconception, obviously. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, now, I've been I've been asking all my guests these last few weeks of Oscar coverage, how many of the feature films have you seen that are nominated? I can now confidently say that I've seen all 41 features plus the 15 shorts. Where are you at? Wow, look at you. Um, not quite as, well, not as completist as you, but pretty close. I got to, through 34 of the 41, and I did watch all of the shorts as well. So feeling pretty confident. Excellent. So that means you are uh, an expert, so to speak, right? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get this underway. The way it's going to work is we're going to talk about who we want to win, who we think will win, and of course, who was snubbed. We're going to name one person. Hopefully, we can narrow it down to just one person uh, that we believe should have been in there. We're not going to do the arduous task of being like, oh, you have to remove someone and put someone in. No, we're just assuming that six people are nominated. We'll, we'll call it that. Yeah. Six yeah. movies. <laughs> we, we won't do the heartbreaking of revoking someone's nomination. <laughs> they, they earned it, even if we don't think they deserved it. Okay, fair enough. So we're going to start off uh, a little high level and we'll, we'll keep it fun to start with the acting categories. We're going to start out with Best Supporting Actress. And the nominees for that are Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Yoo Jung-yoon for Minari. So I'm going to start out first with who we want to win. And, you know, for me, I uh, this was an interesting category. It's a little bit tricky. I, I kind of like most of the performances. Obviously not a Glenn Close fan in regards to this performance. Um, I would have to say my favorite that what I would really be happy with a one is Yoo Jung-yoon, who, who played the grandmother of Minari. I think she, she did an excellent job bringing a whole bunch of life. She isn't in the first half of the movie, but when she shows up, just the tone of the movie really changed. It has a whole bunch of great energy to it. What about you? Yeah, totally. I have to agree. Uh, She's my want to win as well. I think, like you mentioned, when she comes into the film, she just brings this like breath of um, good energy and, you know, some lightness that the film needed at that point Mm -hmm. because, you know, it was it's very quiet and melodic. And I think she was a really uh, good breath of fresh air. Uh, So she's definitely my win. Okay. I want to win. Yes. And now let's go over to the other side of the coin, which is who we think will win. This might be one of the hardest out of all the categories to actually predict of who we think is going to win. Maria Bakalova is like the uh, fire starter who this is her first English language movie. She picked up a couple of big awards. And then you've got Glenn Close, who's never won an Oscar despite being nominated, I think, eight or nine times now. And then Olivia Coleman, who only won a few years ago, but is really loved by the Academy. And then you've got Amanda Seyfried, who's sort of this young upstar as well, even though she's been around for a little while. And then, of course, you've got Yu Jung Yoon, who also is winning several awards. This is really tough for me. And frankly, I could see it going almost anyway. But if I was to put any sort of money, if I would, it would be a very, very little amount because I'm not a gambling man. <laughs> I'm going to say Yoo Jung-yoon. Wow. Jung what about you? Uh, drum roll. Yeah, I I think so too. I think she's going to edge them all out. I think there was kind of an oversight last year with Parasite um, and nobody getting nominated for acting um, awards there. So 
I think this is, you know, needed and warranted. And I think she totally deserves it. Um, I mean, on the flip side, yeah, you could probably say Glenn Close is probably like my second just because of the whole like career or not having one, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I do think that Yoon Jo Noon is, is going to edge her out and I, I'll be happy with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Now we're going to go on to the trickier part of who we think was snubbed. And I'm definitely going to be interested to hear throughout this night. We have not shared our picks at all, so I have no, no idea what you're going to say. Uh, for me, my snub is Tony Collette from I'm Thinking of Ending Things. I really like that movie. Tony Collette is obviously this super chameleon that everyone, I think, in the last few years have really started to appreciate all the yeah. fantastic work that she can do in any genre. Like literally she can do anything in this movie. Like the fact that she's basically a figment of the Jesse Plemons character's imagination, uh, recreating memories from his life. And she kind of runs the gamut of different emotions. Uh, and she just does it all. And once again, is absolutely terrific. And when is the Academy going to give her her due? Yeah, I think she's definitely underrated. She's so good in everything she does, like you said. And I think in this movie alone, she just shows you the like, um, the the amount of emotions and characters she can bring to it. I mean, at times she's sinister and a little crazy. Other times she's like the overbearing, doting mother. Sometimes she's like the super friendly, you know, mother-in-law-to-be type. But like, yeah, she brings it all to that. So I think that's a very good pick. Mm-hmm. What about you? So for my pick, uh, I went for, the, for a bit of a smaller movie that probably not a lot of people have seen called the blow the man down. And I went with Margot Martindale Oh yes, as Enid. I thought she was fabulous. And even though I guess she's kind of uh, portrayed as the, you know, kind of villain in that film ish, you know, she's given a kind of, she has this bad rap. Um, she's like, she just does it so well. Hello. Priscilla Conley. You have a small skiff, right? Could get a little grody. A body wash up on the rocks. Enid's business is bringing shame to the town. I try to protect these girls, but I can't do everything. What did she mean by that? Yeah, if anyone hasn't seen this movie, it's really good. It's about these two young uh, girls who who live in a small seaside fisherman village, and uh, their mother has just died, and then they end up kind of getting into a bit of money trouble. uh, And the person that they end up stealing some money from is this uh, town madam of this brothel who was played by Margot Martindale. And she kind of rules the town with a bit of an iron fist, even if she does have that matronly aspect to her. Margot Martindale, if you don't recognize her by name, you've definitely seen her in so many things. She's been a mainstay in TV and movies for decades. And as soon as you look up her picture, you go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely know her from something. And you look up and like time after time, every movie she's in, she puts in the work and is excellent. And that is a fantastic pick. So I'm very happy with that one too. Yeah, she's great. She's she's a person that I wish I knew like personally. She just seems like she would be like a fun person to know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. She would be someone that like you'd really enjoy meeting at a party and just like wanting to listen to their stories. Yeah, yeah totally. Because you, I, I imagine she has some stories. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to move on to the counterpart of Best Supporting Actor. And so the nominees for this category are Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. So we're going to start off again with who we want to win, and I'm going to start with you. Okay, I'm going to be a little controversial here. Uh-oh. I know there's been a lot of talk about who is the lead, who's the supporting in this Mm -hmm. film, but I'm going off who the nominees are Mm -hmm. in the category and who I'd want to win based off of that. So regardless if you think he's actually the lead or not, my pick would be Lakeith Stanfield from Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. I just think uh, he 
brought in a, a great performance. I think he's a fantastic actor and I cannot wait to see like what else he brings to film and, and what his future, how his future unfolds. But um, I don't know. There's just something about him that I find so earnest and so like real and raw that uh, I bought it the entire time I was there. Um, I mean, he's a great counterpart to Daniel Kaluuya and I think he was amazing also, but because I have a bit of a bias and I love Lucky Stanfield. He's <laughs> going to be my my want to win. All right. Well, you know, I, I'm going to give Daniel his due because I want him to win. Uh, he just has such a presence on screen when he's playing Fred Hampton, where, you know, even though, you know, some of his scenes, he kind of mumbles a little bit. Or you can't always quite understand what he's saying. He has that uh, Midwestern accent thing going on as well, which is fantastic because Kaluuya is British. So being able to, to so accurately mimic that, like, Illinois chicago midwestern accent is just so niche and so amazing that he's able to do it that well uh but it doesn't matter when, when he's whispering you you kind of almost want to lean closer to your screen and be like i'm i'm listening to you so intently i'm gonna physically get closer to my screen because i need to hang off every single word and we're like every time he holds court with the different gangs and his own group and all this sort of stuff everyone stops and listens and and it would be easy to just show that mm-hmm. but Kaluuya actually commands that and so I'm I'm so happy with with everything that he does on screen and so now we're going to talk about who we think will win yeah and just to your to your point like um I actually really liked his more quieter scenes in the mm-hmm. film um he totally commands the room when he has his more like in the center of the room moments but I really appreciated his quieter like softer side that he showed us. I thought that was great. But moving on to who I think will win, I think it is definitely going to be Daniel Kaluuya. I think this is his to lose. I'm not quite sure how he's going to leave without winning. Mm -hmm. He's won basically every single award leading up to this. And I think this is going to be no exception. Uh, He's someone where it's sort of funny, you know, I listen to other people talk about him and it almost feels like they're just sort of recently discovering him. And like, I've been watching this guy for quite a while. It seems like I know like he's had mostly supporting parts, but I remember watching him in Sicario playing Emily Blunt's friend in that he was in an early episode of Black Mirror when it was still a BBC show. Uh, I'm I'm sure I'm I'm forgetting some other things, Uh, but he's always been fantastic. And so it's just a little funny that like people are finally kind of catching on. It was almost like Olivia Coleman when she won for the favor. I'm like, I've been watching this lady for a while now. Like she's in the Edgar Wright movies. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, But yeah, so I I think it's going to definitely be Daniel Kaluuya. Now, who is your snub? Um, My snub, again, I'm going based off of what the nominees are. I personally think that this actor was the lead of the film, but because there's already somebody nominated for the lead, of this film, I'm going to put him in the supporting role. So um, I'm going to pick Alan Kim from Minari, who played young David. Um, I thought he was great. He had such a like a presence for being so young, and I, I don't know, just the, the the innocence and the wisdom that he brought to that character, I thought was fantastic. Personally, again, I think I would consider him the lead of this film, but uh, due to the rules that I've emplaced on myself, <laughs> I'm going to put him in the supporting actor. No, that, that's absolutely fair. And I know you're going to make a lot of people on the internet very happy because a lot of people were kind of secretly hoping that he would sort of sneak in and get amazing. a nomination. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, based on, on your criteria, I, I would almost consider, of consider him a lead because as much as it's about, uh, you know, Stephen Yoon's role of of you know it's kind of him trying to grow the farm and, and him kind of dealing with his his marital issues and all that sort of stuff it's almost like it's 
told through the story of how the kids experienced it. Yeah. And there's so many scenes of, of just uh, the little boy with like his grandmother. Like mm-hmm. there's so many scenes of just yeah. the two of them or just with his sister. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's his story that he's telling. And especially with his medical issues where that kind of is the pivot towards the second half of the film. Right. As far as things that are going on with that, where it really does kind of seem to tilt the favor towards him in a little bit. Every so often, things like this happen where the bigger star ends up being the the nominee for lead actor. I, I think of like Last King of Scotland. That was a James McAvoy film, but Forrest Whitaker was the one who right. got the nomination as best actor. So it happens every once in a while. So my snub is Aldous Hodge, who played Jim Brown in One Night in Miami. He definitely had the least showy part out of all four of the leads, but he had this real quiet confidence to him where every time he spoke, you wanted to listen to what he would say. He, you know, he plays this, this athlete who is sort of transitioning to wanting to become a, a movie star as well. And he has this sort of, uh, self-doubt about himself but the fact that he is an athlete where you know more often than not that makes you kind of a natural born leader and then if you want to be the movie star you also have to have that confidence and charisma and i think all that sort of works together basically he knows when to speak and when not to speak and when he's not speaking is almost just as important as when he is speaking and that quiet confidence really carries through for his performance for me yeah totally definitely a quieter um, role in comparison to his counterparts, but totally agree. I think, you know, he, he plays like that moderator role mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. needed between the other three. So, um, good pick. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now we're going to move on to best actress. And so the nominees for this category are Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for the United States versus Billy Holiday, Vanessa Kirby from Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand from Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan from Promising Young Woman. Uh, this is a bit of a a tricky one. I basically had a a two horse race for who I would want to win. And in the end, I'm going to pick Carrie Mulligan. I I just really liked everything that she brought to the screen. This woman who is sort of conflicted with how she wants to move forward with her life and how much she wants to kind of go through with this plan she originally had as she's kind of falling in love and maybe learning that she wasn't always right. But in the end, maybe she kind of was always right, especially with her uh, view towards uh, men and humanity in particular. Uh, and Gary Mulligan also, you know, bit of an ongoing theme of, of actors that are kind of finally just getting their due. I've always really liked her. She was fantastic in Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, in education, she got an Oscar nomination for what seemed like over a decade ago now. So she's someone that's definitely been been well known, but she might walk away with a win and I would love it if she did. Who's your want to win? Yeah, um, I was also torn in this category. I think that all of these nominees were really strong this year and uh, I couldn't really decide between any of them in particular really Um, but I finally eventually landed on Vanessa Kirby actually Mm. I think that she was the best part of Pieces of a Woman she has to pay for her incompetence is this about money? no is it it about what, what people think? it's about you it's about you having to face this I am facing this I am facing it well, I don't think you are. We need we need some justice here. No, you need. That is what you want. That is what you need. That is that is your way. That is not my way. That is what you need. Um, I think there were some flaws with that film, but I really appreciated her performance and her like quiet 
dignity and struggle with everything. I think it, she could have made it so much flashier and so much more dramatic. And I really love the way she portrayed this character. And I think it just made her, you know, kind of that more relatable to me um, because not everyone is always going to be over the top when they're um, going through some struggles. So I really appreciated her quiet take on it and just the like emotions that you saw sort of saw through her face because it was very <laughs> quiet and subdued but um i think it was like bubbling beneath the surface and i really appreciated that so i think because it, it felt the most unique and the most refined to me um that's why i, I chose vanessa kirby that, that's a good pick uh yeah that opening 30 minutes is, is absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal the fact that she was able to convey so much and make it seem so realistic yeah especially since i learned later she's actually never given birth before like so <laughs> the fact that you feel like it was so realistic, like good on her. And then it it was a very introspective performance as she's trying to keep everything together while everything else around her is absolutely crumbling, including the people around her very outwardly crumbling around her. Yeah, exactly. All right. So now we're going to talk about who we think will win. And this was such a tricky one for me. You know, early on in this race, I thought Frances McDormand had this in the bag, especially considering how much of a front runner Nomadland looks like. We're going to talk about that film more later on. And so I was like, well, you know, Frances McDormand's probably going to pick it up because this movie works because she's in every single scene. The entire thing is about her. We don't get anything without her. Um, so I was, I was like, oh, she's going to be the front runner. And then it sort of shifted that maybe she's not because she just won so recently. And then it sort of shifted to maybe it's going to be Carrie Mulligan, but that's a bit of a divisive film. And then Andre Day won the Golden Globe and Viola Davis is always beloved by the Academy and Vanessa Kirby's gained so much praise for her performance too. So I'm like, I really don't know where to go. Uh, but I think maybe the safest pick, and this is probably one that's maybe going to bite me a little bit. Viola Davis looks to become the most winningest African-American actor ever, because I believe if she wins, this will become her third win, uh, at least by an actress, uh, maybe by either a man or a woman, but, uh, she might squeak it out. What do you think? Yeah, I was kind of along the same lines. Um, I feel like it could be Carrie Mulligan or Viola Davis and both for very different reasons. But um, be- because Promising Young Woman is such a divisive film, um, I feel like that could either hinder it or be in Carrie's favor here. We're like, well, you know, it might not get um, the film didn't fully work for else, me, but I still but like the performance. Is, exactly. Mm. Like you're you're the the thing that made this movie for me. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that could like pull her through. So um, I have both of them down here on my sheet as p- potential winners. Pick one. But if I was forced, um, I might, I think I'll, I'll actually go with Carrie Mulligan here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's switch over to now to our snubs. And uh, I'm going to have to say, Justice for Malcolm and Marie, Zendaya <laughs> should have been nominated. I really liked her performance. I know a lot of people really have strong opinions about this movie, almost entirely on the negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, you're all wrong. I think you completely misunderstood the movie. It is a satire. You're supposed to have strong reactions to it. And I think Zendaya really proved that she has the chops. I know a lot of people are a fan of her and her work on Euphoria, which I have not seen, unfortunately, which is by the same... Uh, 
director as this movie, Sam Levinson, but I've only really seen her in like the Spider-Man movies. She's fine in it. She's cutesy. She does what she needs to do in that, but like she doesn't show her range like she shows in this film and I love it. So what's your snub? Yeah, actually I have Zendaya as my snub also. Um, while that film had some issues for me, I, I liked it overall, but it's, it's a lot to sit through and like, I just felt like emotionally fatigued <laughs> afterwards. But um, yeah, like you said, I think the range that she was able to bring to that character and to that film was fantastic and amazing. And I cannot wait to see like more, you know, uh, fleshed out real adult roles for Zendaya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So now moving on to best actor, our nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Steven Yoon for Minari. So I'm going to start with you again. Who is your want to win? So for here, I went with Anthony Hopkins from The Father. I thought his performance was really great. You could maybe argue that he's just being Anthony Hopkins, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit. But um, having dealt with this um, kind of situation on myself through through family and being there through different times, it felt it like rung really true and home to for me. So just based off that reason, I wanted to give it to, to Anthony Hopkins because it just felt so real for me. Yeah, that's, that's really fair. And I really debate it between him and, and my other pick, which is Chadwick Boseman uh, from Mulraney's Black Bottom. I, I've never really been that big of a fan of his acting style before. I find he's a little too subdued for my own liking. He doesn't really bring enough range most of the time. Uh, I love Black Panther, but mostly for the story and, and Michael B. Jordan, not necessarily because of his portrayal. And while I'm devastated about uh, his death because I know how much he meant to the acting community, this was the first role where I really thought he was fantastic in. He he showed so much emotion that I've never seen him. He was so explosive. He was so, I almost want to say dirty and not like inappropriate, but like he, he was a character who was a very flawed person and wore those flaws proudly. He's gritty. Yeah, he, he was very gritty. And, and I've never seen that kind of a performance from him in, in all of his work. And for that, I was just absolutely blown away. And while the movie completely did not work for me because it was basically just jumping from monologue to monologue, it was way too theatrical. And even then, if it was an actual play, I'd say it was too theatrical. <laughs> um, I still think he, he's he's very deserving and that's who I want to win. Who do you think will win? Well, I mean, based off of all those things that you said and just just the news of the town. Again, I think this is uh, Chadwick Boseman's to lose really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. There's, there's not been a single award that he's lost uh, going up to this. Him and Daniel Kaluuya have basically been lockstep every single award show, both of them winning everything. It's uh, it's the, the women's side of things that make it a lot more complicated. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think he's going to win as well. Who is your snub? So my snub here is Kingsley Benadire, who played Malcolm X in One One Night in Miami. I really liked his performance. Um, I think all four performances of these guys were really great, and I feel like you can make arguments for each of them. Um, and so I just want to give like a shout out uh, to him for that because I really liked the 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 side he had. He seemed to be almost like a different person with each of them, and so I saw that as like three three or four sides to a person. So I really liked his performance. I thought it was great. And 
That's why uh, I think he was kind of snubbed. Nice, ain't it, Malcolm? It's most definitely soothing, Cass. The air up here is cooler. Far away from the prying eyes of your G-men. Yeah, you joke all you want, Sam. I'm telling you, it's got worse since the tension between me and Mr. Muhammad. I met with a writer in New York a few weeks back. There were two guys following us through the airport. I swear it was the same two. I thought you didn't trust writers. Oh. This one was a brother, and well, this meeting was important. I figure I better start getting my life story documented in my own words while I can. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like Denzel Washington is most famous for playing Malcolm X in the Spike Lee film, and that's such a towering performance. And you know, there there's a certain people you just associate the performance with, and it's impossible not to think Denzel Washington when you say uh, Malcolm X. And the fact that uh, Kingsley Benadire did such a great job of making the role so much his own. Like it would have been easy for him to just do a Denzel impersonation doing Malcolm X. And he didn't do that at all. Uh, and I really have to commend him. He would, he would be my second snub, but my main snub is, uh, Mads Mikkelsen for another round, Good you pick. know, it got nominated for best picture. It's probably going to win international. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, I am shocked that it didn't get a, a best actor nomination, especially since Mads Mikkelsen is very beloved mm-hmm. by, by this academy a lot of his films do very well yeah um the hunt won uh best foreign language film i believe when it came out he was nominated for his other film a royal affair Mm -hmm. usually if there's a a danish movie that he's in it's probably gonna get an oscar nomination and he continued this trend probably one of the the personal highlights of his career and i would have loved to have seen him included such a good pick he's one of my favorite actors so um so glad you included him. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to talk about things that are written and we're going to start out with the music side of things. So we're going to start with best original score. So the nominees are The Five Bloods, Mank, Venari, News of the World, and Soul. So as far as who I want to win, uh, I would probably say Soul. I, I really liked uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's music. They did a great job sort of differentiating from uh, the Earth side of things and the afterlife spirit world sort of side of things. And then when you include John Baptiste uh, jazz instrumentals as well, it just blended together so well. Everything had such a just a very unique style and it worked. It blended so well. And I'm just so happy that they're uh, they're they're got a double nomination for this category. Uh, and, and I really want them to win. What about you? Yeah. Um, so there's going to be a lot of love for soul from you, I believe coming up in the <laughs> next few. Um, I went back and, and tried to listen to, um, all the different scores and really my favorite one had to be Minari. I really loved it. I thought it was so beautiful and just like worked so perfectly with the tone and the, the feeling of the film itself, it, it's it was almost like the the score and the visuals, you know, were one. So that's definitely my favorite. So that's my pick for want to win. Good choice, good choice. Um, now, who we think will win? It's going to be Soul. Like I know, yeah. I know, I know. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross have two nominations between Soul and Mank, but like I don't think the Academy voters are going to be like, "Oh, are we going to split our votes?" No, I, I really think Soul is kind of the one to beat. It's it's a very imaginative. I know it's a little more on the nose compared to something like Minari, which is a little more subtly beautiful. Um, but uh, I, I think it, they're not going to overlook the inventiveness, especially when it's a movie about music, mm. uh, and that the music plays such a key part. It, yeah, I I mean, 
I think it will win also. I think it was just not as intricate and beautiful as Minari. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Uh, so now we'll talk snubs. For me, it's uh, Tenet. Uh, Ludwig Göransson's uh, score for that, I really like. Uh, Göransson, who people probably know better as the uh, silent half of, of Childish Gambino, Donald Glover's rap project. Uh, he also did all the music for Community, which was always shape-shifting uh, to fit whatever style need. And so that I think that really prepped Gorenson for being able to do whatever he needed and doing this big bombastic uh, action movie that then also reverses the music too. So well done. And I, I would have loved to have seen him get a nomination. back and listen to that one as well because uh, i was trying to think of other scores that i could pick from for snubs it, it wasn't my favorite out of the like christopher nolan film catalog so for that reason i was like mm, i'm not going to count it as a snub but i don't actually have a snub for this one but like if i had to sure i'll throw tenon in there so <laughs> why not okay now we'll go to best original song and the nominees are fight for you from judas and the black messiah hear my voice from the trial of chicago seven Usavik from Eurovision Song Contest, IOC Scene from The Life Ahead, and Speak Now from One Night in Miami. Who do you want to win? So, if anyone's been listening to your past podcasts with your guest hosts talking about... Shout out Jeff. <laughs> talking about the different nominees. I'm 100% um, on Jeff's side where I the, the song should be integrated into the film. Why are we nominating songs that are just played during credits? That is not film award worthy that is grammy or music related it has nothing to do with the film i i understand that credits also need to have a tone mm -hmm. uh, and have to fit with the film but like it's always the like um i have a point uh, my soapbox this is the strong moment song put it into the movie then make mm -hmm. it a, a crucial like pinpoint of the film so because of that, and also because I loved the song, I am picking uh, Yusevic from Eurovision Song Contest. I liked that movie so much more than I thought I was going to like, <laughs> uh, especially the first half. Um, but I also really think the song is really pretty. It's the only song of this group that I've actually gone back and casually listened to more than once, uh, just for casual fun listening. So um, my vote and full body support is behind that one. It's it's so much tougher to incorporate music into a movie if it's not a musical. Like we can look at uh, Over the Moon or Eurovision or uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm missing some other ones that actually had uh, song moments during the, the film, something like Sound of Metal. Um, it's so much trickier to then properly incorporate an actual song that isn't just like a generic needle drop. Like, you know, you, you, if you think Martin Scorsese, you think like the Rolling Stones, stuff like that, where that's the type of music that he uses and it fits so well. But then how do you fit an original song in that as well? And so I, I understand that it's trickier, but that's what I think should make in a best original song. Exactly. Because, because you're absolutely right. I would like, if they want to make two, two different categories, best original song and best credit song. Sure. Works for me. That's fine. Absolutely. Uh, but 
So I, I, based on this criteria, based on what I have in front of me, uh, I, I'm going to have to go with Fight For You from Juice and the Black Messiah. I think it is the, the best song for all of it. I love the beat. I love her. She, she's such a talented uh, artist, and her voice is so, so soulful, and it works really well for me. Um, and it actually kind of helps the end of the film more so than maybe some of the other ones where it's basically just like, hey, we're just setting the tone of what the end of the movie was. Uh, that at least kind of sets the tone for what the entire theme of the film was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So who do you think will win? Uh, I think Speak Now from One Night in Miami will win. I don't really have any um, evidence to back this. This is just on me doing some research in my homework and uh, seeing where you know, the votes seem to be headed towards. So that's who I'm going to say is going to win. It's, it's so tricky because how, how is this going to go? If we look at recent examples, maybe songs with a bit more of a message will kind of uh, be the one. And so if that's the case, you've got fight for you, hear my voice and speak now, which all kind of are message songs. But then if you look at IOC, from the life of head that was written by Diane Warren. She's got like 18 Oscar nominations and never winning. So I don't know what's happening with that. The only one that I unfortunately don't think is going to win is your favorite is Husevic, mm-hmm. uh, based on just what I think the Oscar typically goes for. Yeah. Uh, so the other four really can go any way. And, and so I think you're right. Maybe speak now, but I, I'm just basically going to say fight for you. It's my favorite. So I'm basically just sort of rooting for it. So there's no real logic between me thinking it's going to win other than the fact of the three, message songs it might be the most messagey and so if that's what voters are looking for uh there you go yeah um do you have any snaps for this category i I don't i I couldn't really think of any songs that i heard that stuck out to me and so i wasn't gonna go digging to look for them either you don't want to play yaya ding dong <laughs> no. For me, it is Running with the Wolves from Wolfwalkers. Now, apparently, oh, that is a good pick. Yeah, apparently, this might not be original for this movie. Yeah. I just learned yesterday, but uh, I already made my picks, and so tough, it's staying in there. <laughs> it incorporates it so well into the film. I think it they perform it twice, and then it's the end credit song as well. Like oh, so that ticks that box. That yeah, and that it actually incorporates the song into it if you want to repeat a song heard in the movie like maybe you only hear snippets or something like that Mm -hmm. and then you hear the full thing in the end credits works for me perfect do that uh but none of this bs of it's only at the end (laughs) shout out jeff you uh you you blew my mind and changed my opinion on this (laughs) that's a good pick though super good snub thank you mine too (laughs) (laughs) all right so now we're going to continue with our writing categories with best original screenplay and the nominees for this category are judas and the black messiah minari promising young woman sound of metal and the trial of the chicago seven as far as what i want to win i think uh i want promising young woman to win i really like the the different tonal shifts that uh they were able to incorporate i like how every scene basically uh Cassie, the main character in this, played by Carrie Mulligan, gives 
her uh, would-be victims a choice. They have to make actual choices in order of how they want to move forward. And every chance they get, they always make the wrong choices. But every time she presents them with a choice that they have to make, nothing is left up to fate or uh, a roll of the dice. Everyone is making conscious decisions of how they want to behave. And usually they're choosing the wrong ones. Uh, But I really like that that's laid out like that. What about you? What's your want to win? Uh, my want to win would have to be Minari. I think it was a beautiful script and beautifully tell, told. And um, just the way the different family members, uh, you know, spend time together and interact together and how the whole story flows through the summer. Um, I thought it was just like really well written and really well done. And I had to give props to that. Okay. Now, as far as who I think will win, this is a little bit tricky because you never really want to bet against Aaron Sorkin. Um, but I'm going to say Promising Young Woman only because the Academy likes to basically give the screenplay awards to uh, runner-up or your movie's a little too edgy for us to give Best Picture. I don't think Promising Young Woman's going to win Best Picture, so I think this is going to be their congratulations, here's your consolation prize sort of thing, especially since Emerald Fennell, the director, also wrote the screenplay. Uh, and it's their way of being like, here's your one Oscar for the night celebrating you for this movie sort of thing. What about you? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you for everything you just said. I do think it's going to be Promising Young Woman. I had so many issues with this film, which is why it's not in my want um, I want to like this movie, but mm-hmm. I just don't. It it just didn't do anything for me and it actually made me angry. But I definitely do think that it, it will win here for best original screenplay. Okay. Uh, and then as far as a snub, uh, I'm going to have to go soul. I know you, you mentioned earlier that I'll probably have a bit too much love for it. It was a little bit tricky trying to figure out which one of you know, my 10 to 15 favorite movies of the year that were or looking at which ones were original, which ones didn't get the nomination. Soul is basically just next up as far as uh, my list is concerned. I know, I know for you, you thought it was a little bit too much like inside out, mm-hmm. which is, which is a very fair critique of it. I think it is kind of similar as far as if you were to just, you know, break down the bare bones structure of uh, it's a person dealing with the, you know, the subconscious of how they're, self works basically that they're kind of similar but i still think it did some interesting things especially in regards to incorporating music and uh incorporating the black experience as well and and for that that would be my snub what about you yeah um i i did think that soul was a little too much i think it makes a great companion piece with inside out i won't say that it's like too similar it's exactly the same it's just reminded me visually and story of inside out and so it just felt a little too rehashed for me but i mean maybe i'm wrong but listeners i'm going to tell you about this little film called the vast of night (laughs) that you must go out and watch today whenever you're listening to this drop whatever you're doing find it seek it out it is so good it was also i found super original the way it was told the way you, you felt while watching it um brought a whole new level of um like it's not a jump scare, scary movie. It's not a quiet simmering uh, thriller. It, it's it's like a whole new weird tingle feel. It's movie. a meditative. Yeah. Super good. Seek it out. You won't regret it. Everett, it's Faye. I'm the sound came through the board and interrupted your radio show. What sound? Effort. 718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight. 
Yeah, yeah. For anyone that doesn't really know about it, it's it's like this quasi Twilight Zone type of movie where literally it starts out where a TV is shown playing this movie that we're mm-hmm. about to watch, and it's just about um, these two young people, a, a radio DJ uh, and a switchboard operator, and they start hearing uh, weird noises over the airwaves and what those noises might be. Um, I don't really want to say any yeah. more than that because that, that's basically the whole premise of it and just how it all works out. It's not going to be the last time that movie gets mentioned. No, nope, not by me either. <laughs> all right, so now we're going to talk about Best Adapted Screenplay, and the nominees are Borat's Subsequent Movie Film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Who is your want to win? I always find this hard because I I, I struggle with, like, do I need to read the original source material in order to understand if it was adapted well or how it works. Obviously I'm not going to seek out five different uh, source materials and and read them to compare and contrast. So based off just that, I'm going to go with films that I think were really good. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of torn between one night night in Miami or the father, because I think both films worked really well with the setting that they had, the story they had to tell and the different characters that were placed in that situation. But based off of that, I think I'll side slightly more towards One one Night in Miami, just because um, of the different moving pieces. And when I mean moving pieces, I mean characters involved in the different interactions. And I loved all the conversations that they had. That felt a little bit more like work to me. Um, And so that's why I'm going to pick One Night in Miami as my want to win. Good choice. Yeah, you look at these nominees and, you know, Borat is based on pre-existing characters and it's a sequel film. You've got two that are based on plays in The Father and One Night in Miami. And then you have two that are based on books in Nomadland and The White Tiger. So, you know, if you kind of approach it like that, how, you know, we've all read books that have eventually been turned into movies or you read a book that isn't a movie and you just kind of wonder how will they adapt this or like a news article. We often see where news articles will then be turned into a narrative film or something like that. And so you can kind of be like, okay, how do they get from, from page to screen sort of thing? I think you can, you can factor that in a little bit. And this year we've got three high profile plays turned films, two of them in this category, one night in Miami and the father, the third being Ma Rainey's black bottom. And the three of them all kind of approach how they adapt the story very differently. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom felt the most theatrical, where they basically just took the exact same script and stage directions and just filmed it without making any real changes, adding you know a couple scenes that take place outside, but that's it. Uh, One Night in Miami felt true to its theatrical roots, where you know most of the action does take place in one room, but uh, Regina King does a lot with that to be able to. Uh, make it seem more realistic and more filmic. And then you have The Father, which I can absolutely see how it was a play, but probably is the least play-like of the three of them going Mm -hmm. forward. So Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to kind of compare that because I think they're all very obvious in in how they're moving forward. But based on all that sort of stuff, one in Miami, I agree. All the speeches are absolutely fantastic. Kemp Powers, who also wrote Soul, (laughs) one of the writers on Soul, uh, he wrote the play One Night in Miami, and he adapted the script for himself. And so I think he was allowed himself not to be too precious with 
keeping it so theatrical. He understood what needed to be done in order to incorporate it into a film. And it wasn't like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom where it was monologue to monologue to monologue to monologue. There was dialogue and discussions and all that sort of thing going on that I think worked really well. And and I was so impressed by it. Yeah. All right. So now the next one is who we think will win. Um, I... Was kind of torn here, but I think there's a lot of love for Nomadland and with Francis McDormand also like kind of falling back in the um, actor race or actress race. I think that it will definitely win here uh, for adapted screenplay. Like I said, there, there seems to be a lot of love for it. And I also think that it was really well done, too. So, I mean, I wouldn't be upset with it. Yeah, it's interesting because I saw Nomadland much further back compared to some of these other nominees. So the ones you love, they kind of rise to the top a little bit more. I really did love Nomadland. I thought it was fantastic. A lot of this movie isn't dialogue based. It's, you know, the Francis McDormand seething anger bubbling underneath the surface, never really coming out. A lot of beautiful landscape shots of, of showing this contrast between, you know, beautiful America versus people who, whether by choice or uh, forced upon them, are living in their vehicles or living in a nomadic lifestyle because they're homeless. The script wasn't the strong point, but I think you're right. I think it's going to be one of the things that gets swept up with winning a whole bunch of different things, and and I think Nomadland will end up winning. Mm -hmm. Now, who is your snub for adapted screenplay? Okay, so for adapted screenplay, I also just picked a film that I saw and liked. I'm not saying that it like deserves to be up here with um, these five nominations, but there's a film called My Salinger Year that came out this year that, that I watched and really enjoyed. And um, I think it's just like a really fun, nice uh, movie. And I wanted to give it a shout out because um, it is based off of a book and uh, it, it's just like a really nice Easy watch, really, mm-hmm. to be honest. It's interesting. You know, I was kind of complaining about some of these plays turned movies were too theatrical. And and I think my Salinger year actually did a pretty decent job maintaining its novelistic approach where you can see how it was a novel. It kind of folded like chapters reading out. And it worked for, for what it was trying to do. Yeah. It wasn't too much of that. It was just enough. Yeah. All right. And then my snub is Emma. You know, it's a Jane Austen novel. Uh, never thought I would be so head over heels for for Jane Austen adaptation, film, book, whatever it is. I've never read any of her stuff, so I can't really say much about it. But I loved Emma. It was so great. It was so witty and funny, and uh, the characters were just delectably dis- despicable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it all worked for me, and, you know, the very witty wordplay was, was key for that. Yeah. No, that was a really good film, mm-hmm. and... Um I'm blanking on his name now. It's Johnny something. Yeah. I can't remember. Johnny Flynn? Johnny Flynn, yes. Yeah. He's been in a few things that I've seen now, and I always really like his performance, so I always like when he pops up. I think he's great. And I think, yeah, the the comedic um, timing and roles that were in in this in that film were really great. So, uh, yeah, good pick. Mm-hmm. All right, so now moving on to best cinematography, we've got Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. So my want to win is, I'm going to go with Nomadland. You know, 
I would compare it to, you know, Westerns and this idea of beautiful landscapes of the American West and sunsets, sunrises, all this sort of stuff. This movie does all of that and does it so well, but with a bit of a unique perspective. Like I would almost compare it to a little bit to Sean Baker's films who did Tangerine and The Florida Project where you have this whole world and then you also have the forgotten parts of the world. And I think Nomadland really shines a light on the forgotten aspects of the world. These invisible homeless people who we don't think about that, you know, Fern, the main character, she works, she works every day as much as she can. She's looking for work, but she's still homeless. And, and I think they do a great job of showing the beauty, but also showing a bit of the ugliness of America as well. Yeah. I should point out, I believe she says she's not homeless. She's just houseless. Yes, she is houseless. Yes. Um, I have to agree. This is the one I want to win. I mean, you can't argue with beautiful scenery and landscapes. Um, It's not the most original pick, I guess. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, just a beautiful film visually to watch. Mm-hmm. treat for the eyes yep and and speaking of that uh i'm sure we're, we're going to be in agreement here as far as who we think will win nomadland yeah, based on all that definitely it's a front runner and the cinematography is one of the best aspects of this great film to yeah. begin with yeah all right uh now for my snub i'm going malcolm and marie you know i'm a bit of a sucker for, for beautiful black and white photography and this has that uh but also sam levinson employs a lot of great camera trickery the way he kind of follows characters around they match the energy of the characters whether it's super high or really slow and still and i think he does a great job with all of that that's a good pick and i i did consider it as well because i do love the way the camera moves about within and outside of the house i think it's super well done but just to tap back on that small little film called the vast of night Mm -hmm. i think that cinematography was also beautiful it takes place you know just at at dusk and gets darker and lighting plays such a key role in this film that uh, i think it was so super well done and there are also moments where the camera is going from one location to a next uh to another seamlessly and um, I just thought it was like beautifully shot and I loved, loved, loved the use of lighting in that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. It was a really gorgeous film to watch. So now moving on to best sound, we've got Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, and Sound of Metal. Now, as far as who I want to win, it's pretty easy. Sound of Metal does such a unique thing of uh, making a visual audio medium that much more accessible of understanding what the world is of someone that does not have the audio medium capabilities. You know, as Ruben, the main character, goes deaf, we're there with him as the ringing in his ear starts to rise. And then when he's in total silence and how he's able to hear the world, and then later on when he gets a cochlear implant, how that changes the world, and just sort of the beauty and the quietness as well. And, and I think this film really does a fantastic job putting the viewer in the main character's shoes. What about yeah, you? Yeah, this is my want to win also. It's such a it makes it such an interactive film almost because you are put into that situation and you are going through the different stages um along with Ruben. So I think that was just like beautifully done and just uh, also like heartbreaking to watch and and kind of feel in time with the character. Yeah, yeah. Uh now as far as who will win This is one of the most unique and original movies to ever incorporate sound 
in Hollywood's 100-year history. If this does not win, it will be one of the biggest travesties ever. So unique, so original, like you can't help. Like this is everyone, every few years, the Oscars will do like special achievement Oscars. This is the type of movie that deserves a special achievement Oscar based on what it does with sound. So it better win. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it'll win too. I think it's interesting that this is the first year where the, this is the first year, right? Where the sound- um, is one instead of two. Yeah, yeah. the awards are, t- are now one where this is like such an original take. And I, I would love to know if it would have been in just one or both um, in previous years, mm-hmm. if it would be for mixing and editing. Um, so that it's one, I think is really interesting. And I think would kind of also plays to its favor. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, it's interesting that other than Greyhound, there's no bang bang movies this year, which yeah. is basically the sound category. Um, and so it also really helps as the absolute clear cut forward, uh, favorite. There's no, you know, Transformers, there's no Marvel movie, there's no, yeah. uh, big budget war film, nothing like that. I mean, it's a sound, it's a movie about sound. How could it, <laughs> how could it lose this one? I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and it could have been the movie's downfall, but it's not. It's the reason why the movie soars the way it does. Yep. Uh, now, as far as snubs go, uh, that little movie you keep talking about, The Vast of Night, I'm here praising uh, Sound of Metal for being one of the most unique movies with sound. The Vast of Night is almost as unique as well. This movie so much relies on listening. There's two very key long scenes where we, us as a viewer, just have to sit there and listen to someone explain their experience. The first time, it's a radio caller into the DJ radio station. And literally the screen goes black and we just hear the call. And like that is fantastic sound design, the way that they're able to incorporate that. And as they're trying to figure out what this mysterious sound is, the mysterious sound is really good too. Yeah, yeah. Um, This is also my snub. Shocker. Shocker, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think as much as I love the lighting, you know, you um, you have treats for your ears, you have treats for your eyes. This was both in good sense in in both categories. Um, so I had to put it in as a snub for sound as well. Great choice. Okay. Now we're going to move on to best costume design. We've got Emma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Mulan, and Pinocchio. Who do you want to win? This is tough. Um, I, a few of these I, I really liked. Um, and I'll give a mention that I really did like the costumes in Mank. I thought they were really good, especially that one dinner scene where they all seem to be dressed up in like, like the costume party or something. Yeah, like circus outfits, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. Um, and I, I thought they were all beautiful, uh, especially, you know, being in black and white, it's kind of hard to like um, transform that or to, to translate that. Sorry. So um, I thought that was really well done. But uh, my favorite is actually Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I really liked the, the costumes here. I thought everything that Viola Davis wore or I thought that the, the outfit that Viola Davis wore was really great. And uh, even all the suits that the guys were wearing were, were super like really interesting. And uh, that's just, that's something about the film that I took away really liking. Cause I, I also had took issue with, with, um, with this film and it wasn't really one of my favorites, but that's something that stuck out and that I remember thinking back on it. It's got to be Emma for me, you know. This is such like a, a candy-coated film. Everyone is in such bright colors, so many pastels, pinks, yellow, blues. 
the ladies are all in gorgeous gowns. The men are all in, you know, frilly little suits that are all so adorable and cute. <laughs> uh, you know, the stuffy characters have really stuffy collars, high necks on them. Uh, the more casual uh, people have, especially the ladies, have more flowing dresses. It's more looser fitting. I love the way that they did with everything in this. The, the costume design is so key for this film. It's a good color palette. Mm-hmm. It really does have a fantastic color palette. Now, who do you think will win? Um, I think Ma Rainey's Black Bottom will also will win here. It's my want to pick or want to win and one that I think will win. Um, just uh, kind of based off what I said, I think it, it's all really um, great costumes, but also like works with the time historically, but is interesting and um, done really well for film. So I, I think it's going to be the winner. Yeah. Based on everything you were saying, both for your want and will, I, I think Ma Rainey's Black Bomb is also going to win. Um, it wasn't my favorite, as I mentioned with Emma, but even if I were to, to rank the category, it would probably be kind of low for me. But uh, I, I do think it has uh, some good momentum for it. And I think it's one that the Academy is going to go for. Who is your snub? So my snub here is actually the United States versus Billie Holiday. All the outfits that Andre Day wore, uh, I like want in my own like <laughs> wardrobe or closet. Um, I also forgot to d- mention, I really liked her performance as well when we were talking about actress. But um, yeah, I think it had some great costume design and was, was really well done and, and showed, you know, the stuff that she wore on stage and off. Um, and I really liked it. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a good pick for me. Uh, it's Rebecca. I'm a, I'm a sucker for some great suits, and so if I was to make like an all snub category, it would basically be movies with good suits. He wore the same. What was it? It was either his jacket or his pants that he wore like the entire film. And, and I really liked it. Uh, like and yellow. I loved <laughs> and I loved all of her dresses as well. Lily James's dresses. Her stuff was great. Yeah, uh, and the way that they they dressed, you know um, that. The servants and or whatever. yeah, and really everyone in this, I really liked it all. And, and so I, I'm a sucker for suits. My, my runner up snub would probably be the gentleman, which was all very mm. dapper dressed men <laughs> and one very dapper dressed lady. <laughs> I love a dapper dressed lady. <laughs> all right. So now moving on, we've got best hair and makeup and the nominees are Emma Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank and Pinocchio. Now who I think, Want to win? I probably have to say Pinocchio. This movie is an absolute fever dream nightmare, and it was all done with practical makeup. And when you know that, it's even more terrifying. Like some of the stuff, I couldn't help but laugh. But like the tuna, the cricket, um, the what were the little goats or something like that? All of it was absolutely terrifying in a weird, hilarious way. And even Pinocchio himself too. He looks wooden, yeah. even though it's prosthetic makeup. Uh, they did a really good job with that. And, and that's my want to win. Yeah. Look, I got a shout out. That film was like amazing for this category only. Yes. And I have to prep it like only underline <laughs> period exclamation point. Um, really super well done, but it's actually not my want to win. Um, I want Ma Rainey's Black Bottom to win. I really liked the makeup here and also the way they just looked hot and sweaty and mm-hmm. like it just like translated super well. And, um, you know, that's that can be hard to do uh, for makeup. I'm not going to say it's on the same level as Pinocchio because that was just wild and crazy. But if I had to choose a winner, um, I would want to pick Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. All right. Uh, and then as far as who I think will win, yeah, I think it's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, 
as much as I'm, I'm talking about how great Pinocchio was, I don't think it's going to win. It's got two yeah. nominations in uh, this year's Oscars, but it's it's just happy to be there. Uh, I think it's going to be Ma Rainey's Black Bottom for sure. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it will win also. Okay. Uh, and then my snub is I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, they did a really good job with aging and de-aging, especially the Tony Collette and David Thewlis character. They did a really great job with that. Even the Jesse Plemons character, they kind of make him look differently at times. Uh, but depending on what the scene called for, the hair and makeup was there for it. Yeah, this is my snub also, actually. Um, I think it's so subtly done, too. And I love the different frames where like just something is slightly different and you're like, wait, was that how it was before? I can't <laughs> remember. And I mean, this could also go for costumes for me too, because I loved the the different subtle changes in costumes, but yeah, hair and makeup, I thought were super well done and really played a key part in that storytelling. So um, definitely a snub for me. All right. So now we're going to move on to best animated feature. We've got onward over the moon, a Sean, the sheep movie, Farmageddon soul and Wolfwalkers. Who do you want to win? Um, I have a clear cut winner, but I do have to say uh, I watched Onward last. I like didn't want to. and I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite a fun um, and heartbreaking film. But uh, my want to win has to be Wolfwalkers. I'm a sucker for art. And the way that this was just um, drawn and animated was so fabulous and uh, and, you know, fresher and more unique than some of the other films that we that's in this category. You can come out now. We can smell you. You stink. You're a wolf walker. You're a wolf when you sleep. A girl when you're awake. Robin, something's happened to me. Yeah, I can see that. It's flipping great. You're a wolf now. Be a wolf. Yep, it's same for me. They do such a great job incorporating Celtic folk art and the use of triptychs to be able to show multiple scenes happening at the same time, what's happening with different characters. I think it all does such a, a great job of really incorporating all that. And the fact that it's hand-drawn as well, just gorgeous, gorgeous. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, who do you think will win? I think I'd be um, really stupid to bet against Soul. I feel like this is it. it's category to lose it's nominated for several other awards everyone loves it so much yada 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 so i think that's definitely going to be the winner <laughs> well i agree with you but without the derision <laughs> uh, i really love soul and it would be uh, it would be right up there for me too uh as far as want to win it's it's so close uh, what i like more about wolf walkers is the uniqueness in the actual animation style but the animation in soul is absolutely pristine like it just blows your mind how movie after movie they're able to just slightly, ever so slightly improve their animation. And like, I don't know how they do it. Uh, and yeah, they, they, it's, it's gorgeous to look at. And so I really think it's, it's going to be a deserving win for it. Even if I do think Wolf Walkers is better. Uh, do you have any snubs? I don't, I actually didn't watch a lot of animated fi um, films this year, so I don't have one to, to pull from the, the pool. Yeah. This year I saw five animated movies and they were the five Oscar-nominated animated movies, so I have no snub either. Was that a coincidence? Uh, I don't have any kids, so I don't 
spend a lot of hey, time watching animated, animated films. films are for all ages. That is that is true. Uh, I I did watch a lot of Studio Ghibli films this year, but that was for the the Japanese cinema episode. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I only watched five new animated films yes, this year. Actually, yeah. that's true for me too. Okay, so we're gonna go to its counterpart, and it's the best animated short film. We're gonna breeze through these shorts pretty quickly. Uh, but the nominees are Burrow, Genius Loki, If Anything Happens, I Love You, Opera, and Yes People. Um, who do you want to win? I loved the art and the, I don't know what you would call it, storyboarding, I'm not quite sure, of Genius Loki. I thought it was really amazing and really different, but I had no clue what was going on in that film. (laughs) And maybe it just went over my head, I don't know. But the one I enjoyed the most had to be Yes People. It made me giggle. I really liked the animation in it also. Um, So that's the one I want to win. Yeah, uh, same. <laughs> um, you're, you're right. I didn't understand what Genius Loki was about. Uh, but yes, people, I thought it was hilarious. I liked the almost claymation aspect to it. It was endearing. <laughs> I liked how it was just everyone saying yes, 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 yes the whole time until the very last line yeah. is no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really like that. Uh, who do you think will win? Um, again, strictly based off research and homework, uh, it looks like if anything happens, I love you is going to be the winner. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a bit more of the, the political bent, especially because it's about American school shootings, yep. which is, you know, such a timely, prescient topic that, uh, I, I think it's going to happen. Um, I don't have any snubs. Do you? No. Okay. So we will move on to the next category, which is best documentary. And the nominees for that category are... Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. Uh, now, you've only seen two of these. Is that correct? Um, I thought it was three. You saw just two? Yeah, you saw Collective and The Mole Agent. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. And for me, as far as my want to win of these five, Collective. I, I really loved it. Uh, I'm so happy it also broke into the international film. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was... Normally, I love the documentaries, and this, for the most part, was a pretty weak year for me. I really only like Collective and The Mole Agent. The other three, I didn't care for very much, uh, but Collective was fantastic. Yeah, Collective was really good, and it had uh, really good tension and like um, kept your kept your attention and wanting to know. It was really well done, but my pick for Want to Win has to be The Mole Agent. Um, just a really like heartwarming not even really just it was a funny film about such a serious sad topic and i think the the takeaway is is really sad that um that seniors and elderly are just neglected and it's it's really unfortunate because they are these humans that still have these stories and these feelings and are are funny and you know they're they're not to just be disregarded and and put put away so I think that the the storytelling was really great. The the gentleman who's the, the lead, I guess the mole agent, was fantastic and he was so endearing and just would be anyone's like favorite grandpa, you'd have to imagine. So, um that would be my pick for want to win. Sergio stole your heart. Sergio stole my heart. <laughs> uh, as far as who I think will win, this is a little bit of a tricky one. I could see it going a couple different ways. In the end, I'm just going with my gut of saying collective just because it has two Oscar nominations. That means I think it probably has broader support, but uh, I would not be shocked based on what I'm seeing if my octopus teacher ends up winning it either. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Usually if um, if there's one that has multiple awards based, uh, versus the rest that only have the one, that's usually 
the way I would vote, but just on what I'm seeing, and I haven't seen this film, but um, I think Maya Octopus Teacher is, is going to be the winner. Yeah, it, it's got some of the most beautiful underwater photography I've ever seen. Like, I would put it right up there with with anything that Planet Earth has done. Uh, just the rest of the movie is just kind of weird for me, uh, the narration aspect, but uh, gorgeous to look at. So, yeah, I could see it winning as well. Uh, and as far as snubs, I I saw a whole bunch of documentaries this year, and I loved so many of them, and almost none of them got nominated. But uh, the number one one that I think didn't make it was probably David Byrne's American Utopia. The the former Talking Heads frontman puts on this concert documentary and it's just so much fun to look at. And especially when it's been over a year since I've gone to a concert and just seeing how much the crowd is into it. And Spike Lee, who directed this, does a great job of incorporating the right amount of crowd shots and audience participation just made me miss concerts even more. Mm-hmm. And oh, the music, of course. The music is absolutely phenomenal. I love David Byrne. I love the talking heads. And he does like all of the hits. Yeah, I'm not surprised that this is your snub. <laughs> uh, my snub would have to be The Painter and the Thief. I thought this was super interesting in the way that they told it. Um, you're basically learning the painter side of the story through the thief telling the story and then vice versa. You're learning the thief side of the story through the eyes or through the narration of the painter. And I thought that was super interesting and the way that the story unfolded and the way I love the idea of just this, this one moment in time that really could, could be a negative um, situation or event that leads to something so much better or greater it's a turning point it's the linchpin of this he steals a a piece of art so obviously that's like devastating to the the painter to the artist but through that and then the relationship that builds between the two of them and how he gets his life back on track because of this event that happened is just like super amazing and it it blows my mind and it's a happy story that i wish we heard more often great great choice so now moving on to a best documentary short We've got Colette, a a concerto is a conversation, Do Not Split, Hunger Ward, and a love song for Latasha. So yeah, do you have a want to win from this category? Um, This was harder for me to choose. There was three that I like really liked. There was one that I, that actually like uh, really moved me quite deeply. Um, And then two that I just found the most interesting and really liked, but my favorite um, or the one that I'd want to win is a love song for Latasha. I really liked the the visuals and the storytelling that went along with this documentary and the learning and the story um, be- behind her her life and her upbringing and, and what led to this event. Um, so it was it's the one that I want to win. Mm. For me, it is Do Not Split, which tells uh, shows an inside look at the the protests going on in Hong Kong over the last year and a half or so, and then especially how the pandemic affected their ability to protest and, and how they're viewing things going forward. I think they did a phenomenal job really capturing what the behind the front lines looks like and the, the police brutality that is being um thrust upon them while they are literally fighting for their their rights to survive and i think they do such a great job really capturing that footage and and basically really damning the chinese government with their absolute overreach i thought it was a good one too it was a very interesting watch Mm -hmm. Uh, all right now who do you think will win um i think that this could go one of two ways it looks like a love song for latasha or concerto as a conversation could be the winner here um i'm gonna lean on the side of a love a love song for latasha it just seems a little bit um more 
of the time, I guess, unfortunately. Um, so I think that's why it has the slight edge. Mm. Yeah. For me, I'm also thinking it's going to be a love song for Latasha. I wasn't as fond of this one. I really love the look of it. At times I just, I was a little confused of, of where the movie was going. Like I understood what the, the end was going to happen. Uh, but how it was getting there, I didn't think it fully worked for me, but it was still really beautiful to look at with some really moving imagery. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any snubs. Do you? Unfortunately not. I have to get on the the short circuit. (laughs) All right. So now the next category we're going to do is best international film. And the nominees for this category are another round, better days, collective, the man who sold his skin and qua vitus Aida. Now for me, who I want to win out of this category, it's super easy. Another round. I, I already praised Mads Mikkelsen performance earlier, how fantastic he is, but these four teachers who decide to do this social experiment of just being just a little bit drunk at work and seeing how it improves their lives and, you know, all the positive benefits that they get. So they decide to up it just a little bit more. And predictably enough, as they up their alcohol intake, things get a lot worse for them, where a lot of the problems that were below the surface are now very much surface level. And it does a great job of really, you know, tackling drinking culture, you know, even even some of like societal issues that men face and things that they repress or are expected to behave in a certain way. I think it does all that in a really interesting way with four very different lead characters. Yeah, this is my pick as well. I also, I really liked um, Better Days, which I know you weren't as big of a fan on, but I, I really loved the two leads in that, in that film. But this is obviously my pick. I love Matt Mickelson. I'll watch anything that he's in. Um, yeah, I thought it was super good for all the reasons you just listed. I mean, the four of them work super well together. I think it's all super convincing and um, also just an interesting story that I would love to experiment with, but don't want to go down that road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely really unique where you're watching. You're like, huh, how would that yeah. go if I have like a 0.05 alcohol percentage <laughs> at work every <laughs> single day? You're like, you know what? this is a good idea. Yeah. And, then <laughs> and then the second hour starts. <laughs> like, maybe not so much. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to say uh, who we think will win. And uh, on the count of three, let's say it at the same time. One, two, three. Another, another round. round. What a life. What a night. What a beautiful, beautiful ride. Oh, no way. I'm in five, but I'm young and alive. What would they be saying? What a life. Yeah, uh, most obvious one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Probably obviously. the most obvious pick out of the entire night. Like, of course. As obvious as Parasite winning this same category last year. Yeah. Yeah, nothing is happening there. Okay, now we're going to go uh, for snubs. And uh, you mentioned it earlier in the documentary category. For me, it's The Painter and the Thief. Yeah, everything you say about that movie, it's so good. Uh, and it's funny, it didn't make my documentary snubs, but that's only because I had like four other documentaries <laughs> that I put up of it. Uh, but yeah. It is so great. It's a very unique Norwegian film. They do a really good job, especially exploring this idea of what is punishment. Is it something that when you're paying your debt to society, is it something that you're supposed to be tortured for? Or is it something that you're supposed to learn and grow and rehabilitate so you don't make the same mistakes going forward? And when you compare the North American, especially the American judicial system versus the very European way. And you look at like their prison cells, they look like crappy dorm rooms, but like that's absolutely night and day compared to if you've seen any American prison where it's just absolutely barbaric and you, and you're not surprised at all that most people that go into prison when they come out, 
end up falling back into the same bad habits because they don't have anything different they can do. They don't grow. They don't learn. They don't have any way to uh, better themselves. No rehabilitation. No rehabilitation at all. And and the painter and the thief really shows what happens when someone commits a crime. And I think they do such a great job with that. Yeah, it was such a great story. Um, I didn't even think about putting that as much. I don't wow. have. A, I don't even have a snub here because I couldn't think of anything really? to put in here. And I, you know, bad on me for not thinking outside of the box that it has to be. Um, a scripted film. Obviously, it could be a doc or a, something. Collectors a, a doc. And it's nominated. And it, for some reason, that didn't even click for me. So that's crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but just just, say, just say the same one. Yeah, I mean, the painter was great. I already talked about it. You talked about it. Uh, snub. Great. Snub okay. Skill. <laughs> uh, so the last short category we're gonna go to is best live action short. We've got feeling through the letter room, the present, two distant st- strangers, and white eye. What is your want to win? My want to win here is feeling through. I thought it was a really great little glimpse into a part of a night of of a young uh, African-American male who comes across this uh, blind and deaf um, gentleman who's looking to get onto a bus. I really loved, you know, it was really touching and kind of heartwarming. And also I think it had a really good ending as well, um, what it means to kind of pay it forward and also learn from, from your experiences. I really enjoyed it. I thought the acting was great in it. Um, and it was like the perfect length for me for a short as well. It told its story. It, it got it across. It was really well done and executed. So I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree. That's my pick as well. Uh, it also kind of touches on that this young man, he's homeless, but it's not explicitly yeah. stated. He's basically, you know, texting friends of figuring out where he can stay the night. Uh, and that's basically all it goes. And I like the fact that it's not hitting you over the head. This is, this is clearly someone who's uh, going through a rough patch. This is not his long-term issue. This is a current present problem and it's how is he going to kind of survive the night? And I think they do a really great job with that. And yeah, it, the story is is so lovely and it starts to go one way. And I like that the character's evolution isn't just like flipping a light switch. He changes a little bit, you know, halfway through the movie, he does pocket some money from, from this deaf and blind man. And then towards the end of the film, you know, he ends up learning his lesson a little bit, but like, it's not like a, a just, he's a bad person. He's a good person. It's, yeah. it's a gradual it's a, change. It's a step forward. Yeah. I really liked that progression, progression and evolution and just the way that like, um, he realizes, yes, I'm in a bad situation, but also it could be so much worse. I, I got to help where I can kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Who do you think will win? Um, I'm kind of torn between two. I think that the letter room has obviously, um, you know, well-known actors in it. And I feel it could go that way. And it was also an interesting little kind of story, but um, I think two distant strangers is extremely relevant for today. Um, has a, a very topical subject. And while I felt that there were some things lacking from it, um, it could work and could be the reason why it edges out uh, letter room. So I think I'm going to edge towards two distant strangers for this one. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the Academy by and large will usually go with the English English language film in this category and three of them are in English. You've got feeling through the letter room and two distant strangers. So they're kind of automatically the front runners. And like you were saying, the letter room stars Oscar Isaac with a supporting performance from Alia Shawkat, two very well-known people. So maybe that's going to put some people there because it is kind of a, a, a funny and nice little performance from Oscar Isaac. Not 
not yeah. doing his Star Wars thing. Uh, but yeah, you're you're right. Two two distant strangers, uh, which tells the story of a, a young black man who uh, gets killed by a cop and wakes up and has to repeat the same day over and over again, always getting killed by a cop. And the very end of the film, listing a very long list of recent African Americans who have been murdered by police and doing very innoxious things, whether it's just sleeping in their bed or going to the store. And this movie kind of showcases where no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Unfortunately, the way the system is currently set up, police are going to kill black people, especially right now we're in the middle of the trial for George Floyd. And as that's happening, another person is murdered in Minnesota, the town over from where the Floyd murder happened. Yeah. A a few weeks before the Oscars. Uh, This might be the most topical film out of all of them. Yeah, and I do think that that it did do that really well. I really thought that it was um, a good way to show, you know, the list of names and people and what they were doing and how that happened and how that ties in kind of to the film where it may be this one man's Groundhog Day, but it's it's this whole race. reality for everyone else. For everyone, and people, unfortunately, are living it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so next we're going to go to Best Visual Effects. And the nominees for this category are Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, The One and Only Ivan, and Tenet. This is another category that you've only seen two of the films in, correct? Mm -hmm, Correct. Okay, so I'm going to start this one off with who I want to win. And uh, I want Tenet to win. You know, I'm a huge sucker for practical effects, and and Tenet does that really well. I love that Christopher Nolan was like, you know what? It's actually just easier and, frankly, probably a little bit cheaper if I just buy a plane and crash it into an airport. Literally, a real airport. Just might as well just blow it up that way. And he does it. And only Christopher Nolan could do that on that scale. And so, you know, I kind of hand it to the guy. He knows how to go big. Yeah, totally. This is my want to win also. I mean, it it's like probably one of the biggest budget movies here. This is usually, you know, the category for those films. Uh, so I, it's my want to win. Mm-hmm. As far as who I think will win, I think it's going to be Tenet. You know, yeah. the Academy doesn't always go for the practical effects route and and i think this is the case where it probably will do it you know the one and only ivan has some really fantastic animal cgi work building off of the backs of uh the the recent plan of the apes series i think they do a really great job for that uh, midnight sky has some really interesting space visual effects and that won some of the precursor awards but uh i'm gonna go tenet for this category yeah I think it's going to win too. Now, as far as a snub, uh, you know, I'm, I'm praising the practical effects and another practical effect heavy movie is the Canadian horror film Possessor, which uh, I thought was a, a bit of a weird one. I, I wasn't fully on board with it, but the but the special effects were absolutely amazing, even more so since it was all done in camera. Like there was a lot of trickery going on and it was all done in front of the camera. This was not done post-production. This was not edited in afterwards. This was all practical effects and it's done so well. What about you? I couldn't think of a visual effects snub here. Um, I was trying to rack my brain on what I could could fit in here, um, but I didn't have one. Yeah, that's totally fine. We'll move on to the next category, which is Best Production Design. And the nominees are The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet. Who do you want to win from here? Um, I want The Father to win here. I loved the way that this apartment plays such a crucial role in the storytelling of this film. It's almost like a character on itself. It's always it's constantly changing. It's but ever so slightly where you're a little confused. Um, I think the way 
that it it like unfolds through the story is super fantastic and also very befuddling. Um, so I think it really works for this film. And for that reason, I want the father to win. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page. It plays a character in this story because as much as Anthony played by Anthony Hopkins is struggling to remember what is who and where is what and all this sort of stuff, the house slowly shape shifts and, and that adds so much to his confusion of where is this room part of this house? What's the logistic layout? All this sort of stuff. It plays such an important part. And the fact that going scene to scene, some things were subtly different every time, you know, whether it's changing paintings or completely removing them, changing the furniture around a little bit, changing the layout of the house every little bit, all this sort of stuff. I think it does so well. Yeah, it was great. Uh, now, who do you think will win? Um, I think that there's a lot of love for Mank to win this um this award, I think, uh, with Mank, there's a lot of love for this film because, you know, it's telling a Hollywood story and that's always super popular. I don't think it's going to really win anywhere else. So I think this is kind of like a consolation prize almost. But uh, my money is on Mank for winning this one. Yeah, this is a bit of a tricky one. I could see that. I could see Tenet as well uh, with its, you know, very big budget uh, world worldly design sort of thing but uh, maybe this is just me wanting it a little bit too much and hoping to will it into existence but i think the father will win i really hope the academy which you know very much often goes for these big elaborate set designs i hope they they realize all the stuff that we were saying about it and how crucial that was for making the film succeed that they rewarded because of it yeah i hope so now, do you have any snubs? Yeah, for here, kind of along the same lines of The Father, my snub is I'm thinking of ending things. I think the house, um, Jesse Plemons' parents' farmhouse, I guess, mm-hmm. plays a really crucial role. Each room seems to bring about a different... Um, Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Realm or event or part of this uh, man's psyche. And I think it was you know, really interesting how each room seem to have its own tone, its own um, lighting, its own, you know, scale, whatever it may be, and really play to whatever part or um, genre of film that that wanted to play in that moment. So I think it was really well done uh, and just like was really interesting. Such a great pick. Although I'm going with Emma once again. Uh, much, much like with the costumes, the sets were, were just as delicious to look at as well. Uh, really enjoyed all the high class fanciness that they had going on with that. You just like that partition that I Bill did. and I wanted. Yeah. Is there a draft? <laughs> yeah. Every time he would say that just to, uh, cut someone off. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel a draft, Mr. Knightley? About the knees? I, I cannot say that I do, sir. Oh. Is she? In fact, yes, a chill drop. Chill. The screen, Bartholomew, Charles, make haste. No, not that. This one. That, yeah, that, that was great. Yeah, I did love the partitions there. All right, moving on to Best Film Editing. And so our nominees for that are The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Now, as far as who I want to win, we were talking about with production design, The Father. You know, so much of this has to do with the editing and making everything work and making the audience as confused as Anthony, the character, is. We don't know what is the beginning of the scene, what's the end of a scene. 
is this person really supposed to be his daughter? Is this her husband? All this sort of stuff works so well because the editing works so well. Yeah, totally. I mean, even now, I couldn't tell you what parts were like what happened sequentially or like what the order of events were because they all seem to be all over the place. And that's how it should be for this Mm -hmm. film, for this movie. So it's definitely my want as well for everything you just said. And like there'd be like transitions where a door would close and then when it opened, it would be like a completely different part of the house. And you're just like, whoa, what's going on here? It's so smoothly. Yeah, it's alarming and it's it's frightening to think that that's, you know, unfortunately how some people, how that comes about for some people. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, as far as who I think will win, I think it's going to be Nomadland. Best at film editing is the biggest precursor to deciding who's going to win Best Picture. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But uh, I think Nomadland is probably going to win this, even though the editing is extremely minimal. And in, there is an absolute talent to, you know, less is more sometimes and holding long shots and not doing cuts and that sort of stuff. And so I think that's probably going to be why it ends up winning, uh, even if it's if it's not my top pick. Interesting. I think it is too subtle and a little too quiet of a pick. I was kind of torn between whether it would be Sound of Metal or Trial of the Chicago 7. Mm. Um, I think both use editing very differently. But um, if I had to edge one out, I think there's, you know, a lot of love here for Sound of Metal. And um, so I'm going to give that it to Sound of Metal. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably the next most likely at this point, too. Now, as far as my snub, uh, you were kind of talking about all this stuff about uh, I'm thinking of ending things and for production design. And for that same reason, I'm talking about for film editing. All, you know, it's it's interesting. The Father and I'm thinking of ending things are two very, very similar movies. Uh, one is supposedly taking place in real time with the father. And one is a man looking back on his life and how his memories sort of betray him or how he chose to remember certain things, whether they were real or imagined. Uh, and, and both do the very similar things, very, very effectively switching genres between drama and thriller and comedy and horror and all that sort of stuff. And it works so well because of the editing. Yeah. I mean, really good pick. This is one I also thought about for those exact reasons. But I went a different route. I went with Palm Springs. Mm. Um, I think the editing was super well done here. Uh, really worked for the the tone and the pacing of the film, and uh, it just heightened and added, you know, to to the different things and the ex- extreme situations they were putting themselves in to to live through and, and die and re uh, reawake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the editing was really well done in that film. Yeah, so good, so good. All right, now we're here to our final big two. And first up, we're going to do Best Director. And so the nominees for this category are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. Now, out of these five, who do you want to win? This was really tough for me. I had two front runners, Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round and Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. I thought really put their stamp on uh, on these films and before coming into this uh, recording i really thought i was going to pick thomas vinterberg to be honest because i loved that film and because i loved to um to throw support that way but as we've been talking about it and the more i think about it i think lee isaac jung is really telling the story super well in minari and um 
I'm realizing now that I think I have a lot more love for that film than I did <laughs> when I first watched it. So uh, I'm going to throw my weight behind Lee Isaac Chung from Minari. Love that pick. Uh, for me, though, I'm going Emerald Fennel. I know it wasn't a perfect movie. It's definitely flawed for me, too. But I did like it more than you. But I love the way that she was able to deftly handle the uh, tonal shifts between romantic dramedy and almost horror-esque elements and you know, blending these, you know, candy coated fantasy sequence, the dance number in the pharmacy with some, some very gruesome scenes, otherwise, uh, very dark moments. I think she did a really great job sort of balancing all that. And, and I'm looking for a director that really puts their mark on the film. And I thought Emerald Fennel really put her mark on the film. Fair enough. Now, who do you think will win? Uh, I think this is Chloe Zhao, Zhao, Zhao's to lose for my Nomadland. Um, Lots of love behind it, and I think it'll be uh, uh, well rewarded. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think Chloe Zhao will win too. She will become the third woman to win the Best Directing Oscar, uh, which she will be very deserving of that, yeah. and the first one since Catherine Bigelow for um, ooh, Hurt Locker? the Hurt Locker, yeah, which was. <laughs> Almost 15 years ago, I feel like now, which is a, a damn shame that it's taken this long uh, for another woman to win. And and she's going to be very deserving for that. I think she did a great job, even if she isn't my first pick. Now, do you have a snub for this category? I absolutely have a snub Uh-oh. for this category. Who is it? Regina King should have been nominated okay. here for One Night in Miami. Such a great film. Such a great take. I loved her um, use of... Uh, you know, bringing in those um, eventful and iconic moments to set the scene and uh, just uh, props to her. So angry, so mad about this. You should be up here. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really contemplated doing Autumn DeWild, the director of Emma, but in the end, I'm going Charlie Kaufman for I'm thinking of ending things. You know, I've praised it lots at this point. And much like my, you know, my reasoning between Emerald Fennel, I want a director who really puts their mark on the film. And <laughs> you cannot say that Charlie Kaufman did not put his mark on that film. Yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, all right. We are here to our final category for best picture. Uh, if you've listened to the show the last three weeks, I've gone over all eight of these films of how likely we're, we're thinking each of them are going to win, always ending with uh, their odds to win best picture. And here we got The Father, Juice and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Now, as far as who I want to win... I want Minari to win. This was my favorite out of all of them. I think it did such a great job. It wasn't the most flashy movie. I, uh, it didn't have the most editing, all this sort of things. But the performances in this story work so well to tell this simple tale of uh, an immigrant family trying to make it the American dream. What is the American dream? How has it shifted? How has it worked for people of color, people who are not born in the United States, all this sort of stuff. And they do such a great job. Uh, incorporating both the the Korean values with how they want to live their lives in America. Yeah, uh, this is a bit of a toss-up for me. I feel like we haven't talked about Judas and the Black Messiah enough. We only kind of touched on it when we were talking about our actor awards. But um, eventually I did come down. It has to be Minari for me. Uh, Such a beautiful, quiet film. Unfortunately, I feel like it doesn't really have a chance to win, but it's definitely who I want to win. Right. Now, as far as who I think will win, we've mentioned it several times throughout. 
it's probably going to be Nomadland. Like it's, it's one, of a lot of the precursors. It's definitely not a sure thing where I could see, you know, maybe Minari sneaking in, maybe Mank getting a weird one, maybe the father, maybe Jews and the black Messiah. There, there's a bit of a path for, for a good chunk of these films. Nomadland, I still think is probably the odds on favorite to win. Maybe not by a ton, but I do think it will end up winning. Yeah. I think this is a bit of a tricky, trickier year. Um, I do think Nomadland is the front runner and I do think it will be the one that ends up winning, but I could make arguments and see any other of these films take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there really is that option. Uh, now, as far as uh, snubs, uh, I'm going to go one that I actually haven't talked about at all tonight, and that's Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which is, you know, the story of this young teenage girl who has to travel from Pennsylvania to New York City to get an abortion because she can't get in her small town, uh, and she brings her cousin along with her, and it's, you know, for, for young women, very much a, a horror story of the sort of... Uh, quiet struggle that they need to go through and remain strong and unfortunately don't have the support system often in place to really lean on, especially if they don't already have that support system. It will make this unfortunate incident that much stronger. And the fact is we get a whole lot of little bits of information that kind of paint a picture of uh, this world that this girl lives in, but we don't really know the full story of everything, like what's happening with her maybe boyfriend, but not really boyfriend. What's happening at her home between her her mother and her stepfather? There might be some abuse going on at home. There's so many different interesting layers going on, and I really appreciate what it was doing. And you know, the penultimate scene of where uh, a nurse is asking her a bunch of series of personal medical questions to determine how safe or dangerous of a situation she is in, with giving answers of never, rarely sometimes or always in just the absolute outpouring of emotion of someone who is basically had to remain so stoic and strong for the entire time broke me. Yeah, no, this was a, a really, really fantastic and well done film. I'm actually surprised that she didn't make it for your snub for actress. It's, it was so close, like literally next up in line. Yeah. And she would have been mine as well. Um, such a good film, but for my snub, I had to go with one, my, one Night in Miami. I mean, I have so much love for this film and for the actors and director and production design and everything. For me, I feel like it ticked all the boxes. It had all the elements that are needed to be nominated for a Best Picture. So I'm surprised that it's not, to be honest. So I think it's a definite snub. Yeah, I think that's a, a great pick. Uh, starting next year, you know, we've got the silly eight nominee thing. Next year, they're going to a hard 10. There will be 10 nominees regardless. And I'm so happy about that because there's always like, you look at them and you're like, okay, well, you got a lot of love by the Academy. How come you didn't make it for best picture? You know, stuff like One Night in Miami, stuff like Soul, stuff like um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Five Bloods. Like there, there's, there's several movies throughout this even like within the Oscar framework that you're like, how did it not make best picture? And I'm going to be so happy when it finally goes to 10. <laughs> yeah. Although I do think there will be some years where it's like, Ugh, how are we going to pick 10 films to fit into the slot? So there might be like one or two or like, okay, how did Maybe. that make it? Yeah. But 
We'll, we'll call that the um, extremely loud and incredibly close clause. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> now, if you liked my snubs, I actually wrote an entire article, all of snubs. Uh, myself and Rachel Ho, we basically made our own Oscar ballots of who we think should have actually been Oscar nominees. So there's going to be some overlap. Uh, and we also picked our winners. It is live up on ContraZoomPod.com right now. So make sure you check that out. It's going to be in the show notes. We had a whole bunch of fun doing this. It's a real back and forth conversation, a little bit of light teasing going on as well uh so if you enjoyed this episode make sure you read that article as well stephanie i want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your picks today yeah absolutely i mean i made it through another oscar season this yeah. one felt a little easier than previous years we had we had such a head start didn't we yeah we did <laughs> uh so yeah um this wraps up our three-part series going over our oscar predictions on next week's show we're gonna have our official oscar recap so make sure you stay tuned for that let us know what you think we got right what we got wrong and who we completely forgot about Make sure you follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod. Uh, and let us know who you think is going to take home the top movie prize. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor here for the logo design. If you could rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts, it will be a huge help for us to grow and find new listeners. Thanks for listening. And watch the vast of night. Mm-hmm.